Hello, this is Roger Bisbee and Robin Clever with our second podcast, Skill Builder Podcast, coming to you from, uh, where are we, Robin? Well, the pub was a bit noisy, by all accounts, and um, so we thought, where can you go when it's really quiet? Well, like, well an empty football stadium, of yeah. course. Don't ask us why we are at the MK Don's football stadium. Now, the first one we did was, basically, Robin was telling us how he price conditions people and how he gets... Uh, the right money for the job and that that really struck a chord people saying to us that oh I wish you'd told me this 30 years ago I could have used this information so with this podcast what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about taking that plunge becoming self-employed we have never been self-employed before it's taken away the safety net really isn't it the way this one came about is obviously we looked at the comments and everything else and there's a generic line that runs all the way through these comments and that's about anxiety about becoming self-employed mm-hmm. or being your own boss and so on and so forth yeah the other thing that I picked up from the comments of the first podcast was that people were saying look I've been self-employed for two or three years and it's not really working out I'm thinking I'm going to have to take a part-time job stacking shelves at Sainsbury's or whatever they're doing you know somebody said they're going to go work evenings at Screwfix if it's not working for you then don't give up but just think tomorrow is the first day of the rest of your life in other words the fact that you've had two years of hardship and so on doesn't contaminate the future if you take on board, maybe some of the things we're going to say, yeah, it? and then start from not start from scratch, but just push yourself forward from that point, rather than being tied down, weighed down by your failures. Yeah, look at your success, yeah. your potential. Because the thing is, nowadays, what we, what we call the gig economy and everything else, whether you like it or not, most industry wants to go towards people who are self-employed because it's easier for people to hire and fire. There's less liability involved because generally if you're self-employed, you've got to cover your own insurances and all that sort of stuff. Mm. So um, this is probably why this subject is going to get a lot of interest. Now, tell us about you, you, Roger. Tell us how you became (laughs) self-employed. Okay, well, uh, I mean, my thing is very slightly different to a lot of other people in as much as I, I... left school and started an apprenticeship and then that didn't work out for me particularly well. Uh, I left that. I was a bit of a footloose, uh, you know, went traveling and yeah. did all kinds of, did the hippie thing really. It was all about the hippies in those days. So, so I did all that, sleeping on the beaches, dossing around, having a great time and, uh, you know, the sex and drugs and rock and roll scene. And then I came out, I thought, I really want to do something, what I did with the apprenticeship with plumbing and so on, because it gives me the opportunity to be independent, to do what I want and just go to work when I want to go to work rather than working for somebody else. At that time, I'd actually got myself in a position where I'd got a mortgage, right, a couple of kids, and I was just sort of starting out in married life and I thought, I missed the boat. Really? I wanted to be self-employed. I wanted to do something. And suddenly I'm working for somebody and I'm trapped in this, like a golden noose. Yeah. And then everybody I spoke to, I said, look, I want to give this job up. It's reasonably paid. It was a very easy job to do. I said, I want to give it up with two kids and the mortgage. I want to throw all that away and I want to become self-employed. And almost every single person that I spoke to said, big risk, don't do it. So why did you do do it? it? Well, there was one person that encouraged me. One single person said to me, I think that's a great idea, go for it. And that person was my wife. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, it is because she had the most to lose from it. Yeah. You know, we've got the two kids in it and, you know. It, it's but so, she could equally see your potential and the potential to go out there, name your price effectively well, and do the work. Because you're a hardworking yeah. guy, Roger, so I, I, she I, could I'm, probably see that you do better on your own. I've always loved work. I've never been really scared of work. But, yeah. but I think the thing that she thought is... If you stay here, if you stay in the safe lane, just carrying on, 
that's the potential mm. is dead there, isn't it? Whereas if we, we throw all the cards up in the air and see where they land, mm. at least we've got a chance we're going to do something else. Mm. And so, you know, it's a bit like when people emigrated. I mean, loads and loads of people did it, didn't they? They, they just, you yeah. know, set off for, yeah. for America. You know, people left Ireland with nothing and mm. just, you know, because it's, and obviously they mm. didn't all make it. They weren't all mm. success stories, but it gives you the chance mm. to do it. So, so that's me anyway. So, so, so it's hard. It is hard, you know, at that, that beginning when you've got 300 quid in the bank and you're thinking, I've got the mortgage, I've got kids. You know, yeah. you, can, you can go into meltdown on it or you can start crying or... But the great thing is, there's no plan B, is there? You just got to go for it. You, you know? have to. You, you can't you sack yourself you have to. when you're self-employed. Can no. You? So mean, what about you, anyway? So well, similar. Sim- well, it wasn't a similar story. I went to college, did my carpentry and drawing craft certificate, mm. um, and I had a company who was kind of like my sponsor. So mm. um, they were enabled through the CITB, the Construction Industry Training Board. They were able to um, get a, like a little bit of a grant to train me up. I, I went to them saying, "You don't have to pay me. I just need the experience. Just please be kind enough to take." me on and they did take me on and I stayed with them did my apprenticeship they were really kind to me put me on the road with a van all the rest of it and I was kind of like an employee but I wasn't really an employee I was an apprentice the company was quite young a sole trader effectively with me as his apprentice and he was bringing other people in as he got busier and busier and then when I got to about 18, 19 I finished my time I pretty much went self-employed straight away because I wanted to do price work because I knew that I could do lots of work in the time I was there for 40, 40 hours a week or whatever mm. I just thought it's better for me to be on a price. And also he wanted me to be self-employed because it was a lot easier from a taxation and running a business point of view. So that's how I got into it. And that was, so I've never really been employed. I've always been self-employed. It's been tricky. There's been lots of pitfalls, lots of ups and downs. It's not been plain sailing. In fact, sometimes you just think to yourself, why am I doing this? Because, you know, you might have had a bad couple of weeks and you've just not banked any money and you've still got the, your bills to pay and it gets rolling up, rolling up and you just think, how am I going to get out of this? But you kind of just do it, you know? You're under pressure. I, I personally work quite well under pressure. I don't mm. know if anyone else yeah, out you there. you do. You give yourself a lot of pressure. I know that. I, I, I know your wife says that around about lunchtime on a Sunday, she loses you to yeah. the dark side and that's when his, his head is ticking when his brain is ticking and he started thinking about the week ahead and about planning and about putting all those things into place getting the guys out on site and everything else on the plus side mate you know i don't know let's suppose you hadn't become self-employed you carried on working for somebody you would have three less houses than you've got today (laughs) well i mean i think (laughs) you know seriously though you've done okay i think the thing is um for me for my personality i don't think i'm a good employee I wouldn't be a good no, employee. Do you know what? I think exactly the same. I was, I, I was I, class clown in school. I was always wanting to make, have a laugh. I was more interested in doing something to go and earn a few quid. Mm. And that was basically what drove me. And I was from a big family um, and there wasn't masses of money to go around. Mum and dad were brilliant, but there mm. wasn't masses of money to go around. My dad was a plumber too. Um, and so you know it was kind of times were hard. And so my goal was to earn enough money to buy a car, get to work, had no idea I'd ever own a house in my life. Mm. I certainly not go on long holidays. But it was all based around the, the flexibility of being self-employed, even though it was a bit sort of struggle. Because I thought to myself, I'm self-employed, but I'm not a business. What's a business? I had no idea what a business was. Let's take, for example, if you're a carpenter, for example, and you want to do site work, uh, there are companies that employ carpenters, but the majority of them are subcontract companies and they are build their workforce up from self-employed people. You might do a couple of months with them, 
go and do a couple of months with the, which is how you should operate as well. Because any more than a couple of months with the same person, you could yeah. be classed as an employee. Absolutely. So you need to rotate and move it around. Don't keep all your eggs in one basket, of course. But that is basically how the industry works. I mean, when I'm um, managing a project for a client, for example, so I'll be managing that project and I will be introducing them to tradespeople, say a brickwork contractor. Now, I don't want them, that brickwork contractor coming through me. It's no. onerous. I can, I can introduce them to my client. My client can deal with them directly. If it's just a one-man band, they're not even going to be charging VAT because they won't hit the threshold. Mm. So it works nicely for the client as well. And it doesn't mean I've got to interfere with their tax affairs. They're mm. there as a subcontractor working directly for the client. So that's how the, a lot of the industry, people will agree with this. If you're in the small building arena, A, you don't employ your own plumber. You don't employ your own electrician. Everyone's self-employed. Yeah, you're just mates and you all just phone each other up and, and get a hold of each other when and where you want each other and, some, you, some, and you all let each other down. Let's just focus back down upon the fact that you've taken the plunge, you've become self-employed, you've set up a business. What I'd say really, first of all, from my point of view, is define what your business is because a lot of people, you know, is that like plumbing, for example. You know, you can be fitting bathrooms, central heating systems, doing gas work, gas boiler, you could do... You know, for even lead work, you know, mm. came under the, 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 the umbrella of plumbing. And, of course, if you do all that, you've got a massive van load of tools. You're going here, there, and everywhere. You never become an expert, and people don't know what you do. So, for me, it was about just saying, right, which bits of this do I enjoy, and which bits do I really not? And which bits am I making money? Which bits am I good at? Yeah. And so, then, what was it for you? Then, well, oddly enough, I, I did all kinds of general plumbing, but then I kind of fell into a trench one day. I ended up, well, funny enough, the first job I ever did as an apprentice plumber was laying a lead water main in a trench for a church. And that's kind of where I went back because I saw all these water mains, the water companies were doing them, were charging a fortune yeah. for doing them. Now, replacements, I, replacements, repairs, anything. And, um, there was a lot of money in it because it was underground, because it was a bit of a drama and so on. And Peter. So I got into that. I got referrals from guys on the water company. So that was quite nice. I was giving them a little mm. drink. They were passing mm. jobs on to me. Mm. So my phone was off the hook. It was ringing all the time, you know, burst pipes. I even started doing them for the county council. I started doing them for farmers. Right. And I, I became known as yeah, the guy... Yeah. That would fix your underground burst. Oh, yeah. And he would do it for half the price of the water company, which was never hard. In fact, I did one a couple of weeks ago. They wanted £4,500 to do it. Quite honestly, it was a day's work. Yeah. It took me a day's work, 25 quid's worth of poly pipe. Yeah. And I thought, a lead lock. And they went, yeah, well, it wasn't even a lead lock. Two connections and digging a trench. So for me, it was a combination of skills. It was about doing the groundwork and putting the pipes in. I earned money hand over fist yeah. doing that because nobody else was doing it. Yeah. And nobody, I couldn't understand why nobody wanted to do it either. I thought, this is great. Well, so what about you? Well, I mean, as I said, it was a bit of an accident that I became self-employed because it wasn't, there wasn't a job which was anything to write home about. Um, and it was sort of 1989, 1990. And if you remember back that far, there was a bit of a recession. So the building trade fell off the cliff. And so um, talking about finding something that you were good at, I, I particularly liked at the time fitting locks. And I thought, well, it was a recession. So people was houses were getting broken into a lot. So I thought I could be, do a locksmith. So I could have just about afford a little advert in the, um, like the local Guardian newspaper. And it just said locksmith 24 hour and a phone number that was it that was my marketing that was my whole effect yeah. but it just tied me over I got the odd call and um, for a while I thought I might go in that direction mm. but three or four calls a week used to be enough to just keep my rent going to my mum 
so quite low value jobs. Low value but jobs, but problem. then again, I might be able to go back two weeks later and put a new front door on once okay. the insurance company had agreed it. Yeah. So it it could lead to other things. So for me, it was it that that was that at that time, mm. and then roof construction was the thing that I actually decided that I would focus on, and exactly the same as that little one line advert at the time, way before the internet and you're sort of marketing on the internet and everything mm. else. I did a line saying top quality roof construction, and that was it. My phone number. I had a mobile phone from mm. the age of about big, nineteen. Big brick. Was yeah, it, it was uh, <laughs> so a big Ericsson thing like this. <laughs> And um, and it worked out. It worked out really well for me. I just get one or two calls a week from generally builders who saw it because they advertised alongside me. It was mm. in the oh, classified okay. so they'd be section. Looking at their ad and they saw yeah. Yours. yeah, and yeah. I'd get a phone call, and I still know quite a lot of those people now. And I used to only run that advert for as long as I needed to. And I, and I reckon the reason that was happening, and this is just me, I don't know, but this is just the guess at it. The reason you were getting that is because a lot of carpenters were coming out of college and all they knew how to do was truss roofs. They, truss they roofs. hadn't actually pitched or cut, or done a cut roof, as we say. They hadn't, no. Yeah. And thanks to going back to my apprenticeship, because it was a loft conversion company, and um, the guy, um, Brian, his name mm. is, and um, a really fabulous guy, entrepreneur, he sort of said to me, well, you're the apprentice. There's a dormer here with a pitch roof. You, you should know it. You go and get on with that. And so I was given the opportunity. It was literally textbook out. I was learning mm. at college. Yeah, yeah textbook out and I think I spent three days building this little hip 10 dormer which I could do in the morning now mm. but again at the time I was I don't I didn't realize it at the time I was anxious can I really do it but that guy I don't think he, was, he believed in me he just need, he just wanted to get the job done you sure know? yeah yeah and he's just sort of let me get on with it I he think he threw you in there him. didn't he he, he, trusted threw, me. he threw you in there at a the deep end I said yeah. just get on with it you but, do it you can do it but it was kind of slow so we'll talk about becoming self-employed sometimes it is a bit accidental mm. sometimes it is a series of circumstances that puts you into a place or makes you meet someone you might walk on a job to do five minutes work bump in at someone and go i need are you busy tomorrow i need someone to go to and that's how it is so you might not be know where you're going to go next week but you're always busy how does that work you Mm. know i mean so it is a little bit unpredictable but i think that's part of the appeal of it being self-employed yeah no it is it's an adventure all the time isn't it and 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 funnily enough my my water main business which was going really really well uh all the time the water companies were not privatized yeah. once they privatized them they took all that work in house and, right. and, and so it, it dried up if you excuse yeah. so, a pun dried up overnight disappeared so, so then, your, your experience then of being self-employed was the fact that you kept your eggs in one basket effectively no no what, what it was is that I found something right so I, I did you know because I went back and did my training I say that the apprenticeship wasn't good but when I went back and did my training I did everything gas work a lot right. so I could do all that stuff it's just that I didn't like grubbing around under floorboards yeah. when I could be out there in the sunshine or even in the rain just doing a simple job like but but that's that's what I enjoyed doing that's what I, I made money at but once that went away if yeah. you like the, the rug got pulled from under it was just a question of saying right so what else is there out mm. there that I can do that I like doing and then just moving into those other things so mm. for a while it is about doing central heating systems but it's I hate the idea of competing with everybody that's the thing that really used to get to me is that you were just going in there putting a price in and there were five other people 
pricing and you were only ever going to get it if you were the cheapest. So so that's, again, another story. And we touched on that the other week. I think you've got to be adaptable. You, you've got to realise that if you start out in business, what you're doing now, I mean, a, a classic example of that, my dad always said to me, go into the print. Yeah, my dad did. Because, mm. you know, because they knew that they were they were the richest, the best paid workers in the country. But all that went, didn't it? So Murdoch and all the rest of it and the, the computer. When we chatted earlier, when you kindly mm. drove me here, mm. you were talking about making small steps and I think oh, that's yeah, a really yeah. important stones, yeah so you want to cross the river and rather than looking at the river and going right if I take a real good run up at it and I'm going to I'm going to jump that river and you're not basically unless you're blooming I don't know you know Olympic you're not going to do it anyway realistically you've got to take stepping stones you've got to find the, the, the stages that are going to get you across that river and yeah. they're, they're the objectives they're the things that you can take month by month or year by year whatever you do so so right so where I want to get to is the other side of that river that's what I want to be doing in five years time or ten years time or whatever how am I going to get there I'm going to get there by establishing small stages that I can make things I can tick off and say right I've done that so if you're employed and you want to become self-employed first of all you're going to work out what you're going to be self-employed at you know but yeah. it's obvious that but you've got to make those little stages right so what do I want to do now do I need capital do I need to do I need to business plan you know and all those things you know incidentally just just as an aside when you became self-employed you then at some point needed a mortgage yeah how did that go for you it was really difficult and that was the first mortgage I took out was roughly 1992 I was about 22 that was just after the recession so the house prices were low but my earnings were equally low as well and um, the bank's were very strict at the time, obviously coming out the back of a recession. Yeah. Um, the banks were strict, but fortunately, because I'd, and this is a bit of a tip, I don't know whether it's loyalty that counts now, but it was then. So my mum and dad never had much money. They were just, you know, very humble people. Um, but they banked with um, a branch of a major high street bank. Well, you can say which It one? was NatWest. NatWest. And um, I'd, I'd, big up. I got introduced to them because I had a piggy bank and I, I opened a little account. My YTS money, my youth training scheme money went into the account, had to have an account for that. Yeah. Then when I started doing my own work and I started putting a bit of money in and then the conversation about you must have a business account, I took the business account out. Then I needed a loan for a van and I went to get a loan for a van and he said to me, Mr. Buchanan, his name was, and he'd been at the branch in the village literally all his life he said to me how much do you want to borrow and I said well I need a van it's three thousand the one I've seen he said well you only pay money in here sometimes here he says come and see me in six months time and I want to see that you've paid a little bit in every single week so that's what he did for me so I went off and I was all disappointed oh I need that van all the rest of it I still got tools in the back of my old car and I knew if I had the van I'd be able to do more get Mm. materials but I couldn't borrow any money. Mum and dad certainly couldn't afford to help me. So I had to go back in six months' time. So that was a lesson. I've done it. And he went, here's, here's this rubber stamp. Here's three and a half thousand. Oh, really? Right. Okay. So it was good to his word then, But wasn't it? it taught me the lesson. Good old Mr. Buchanan. I trusted him and he trusted me. <laughs> and then so fortunately, by the time I was 22 and I'd started, I was working seven days a week. I was passionate about you know, what I was doing and everything else. And that only grew from people being complimentary about the fact that I was okay at what I did you know I, I was I suppose the passion came from the kindness succeeding, of people succeeding it was yeah, I loved yeah. my craft I really loved yeah. what I did I, learned what, I loved what I did at college I loved timber work I loved carpentry and joinery self-employment was just a mistake of all that but the passion was growing every time someone really liked what I did I felt inspired to do a bit more 
Mm. And it kind of, that helped the self-employment. That's quite funny, I mean? isn't it? It was the self... <laughs> that's, that's, that's really, that's, that's almost like an aphrodisiac, isn't it, that, that, that phrase? But, it is. But it's funny enough, it's why we're back here doing a second podcast, because people said the first one was good. That's Spice what, up, you know, yeah. really, it's the same process, isn't yeah. it? People tell you you're good, it encourages you. you know? I didn't answer the question about the mortgage, but it was exactly no, the no, same sort of situation. Was I was tough. able to, he'd, he had my records, he saw that I was regularly paying in. He also um, spoke to my bookkeeper, mm. my accountant at the time. They did between them a calculation and it, it was kind of like the most they'd give you was three and a half times yeah, earnings. That's it. Yeah. And um, my wife, then girlfriend, she was just out of college. So she had started her own. She was self-employed, straight self-employed as well. We've both only been self-employed. So she was setting out. So she couldn't really um, be involved in the calculation. So... We, but it, what it did do, it focused us on finding a property we could afford and then negotiating the price down as much as we could negotiate down till we was, till it was under stamp duty of all the rest of it. So that was just looking back, it was a big commitment, but actually it was in terms of timing, I was very lucky and I owe my success to that unfortunate that first one. Yeah. yeah, no, no, I know because you've got a few houses now. I've got to say that. Sorry, sorry to say that, <laughs> but but. <laughs> I don't. I really but, don't think that helps anybody or anything. I, I think that should be cut. <laughs> right. Okay. Be a role model. Yeah. No. No. I just. I like the idea of it. I just like the idea of saying, "Well, yeah." yeah. So you got a few houses now, Robin. So obviously that first one was a Lego house, houses. So I would say that I would never advise anybody to become self-employed. Why? Nobody advised me. They all advised me against it, and I did it anyway. And I think if you're the kind of person who needs advice to become self-employed, in other words, you need somebody like us, let's face it, don't even know us, telling you, yeah, go on, get out there, burn your bridges, become self-employed. Maybe if that's what you need, then it's not for you. But if you know, if you're a risk taker, you've got to be a risk taker. You've got to be one of those people that just says, right, I don't care, I'm going to do it. Because I don't have a plan B, you know. Don't mm. take away the safety net, mm. and if you're that kind of person that will take away the safety mm. net and fly, mm. and you look at it, because I read a lot of autobiographies, and um, you, you see all these people have got one thing in common: they've all gone to hell with it. Let's throw it all up yeah. in the air. And equally, though, Roger, if you do find yourself in a position, and you know you've got an opportunity to go and do some work, and someone's, you know, said, "Oh yeah, you've got a lovely job over here for you. It's three months' work." And you say, okay, what you know, what are the terms? You say, oh, well, you've got to be self-employed. That's unfortunately in our industry, in the construction industry, that's the way you tend to get pushed. Mm. So just summing up, I'd say define what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you you do want to do it, that you enjoy it, and work seven days a week. To you start know, I think you must work seven days a week. Don't give yourself that luxury of saying, Oh, I'm gonna have a day off, because when you're starting out, I never ever turned the job down when I started out. It didn't yeah. matter what time, it's Sunday lunchtime or whatever. In fact, I remember once saying to the woman, I'm not coming tomorrow because it's my son's birthday. I want to have it. I've been working seven days a week. I want to have the day off. It's his birthday. And she said, oh, I want my job done. And I said, well, you'll have to go elsewhere. And in the end, she came back to me. And then when I came around, she said, well done you for sticking to your principles. How nice is oh, that? My goodness. How she nice pressured me like man, but in the end. So let's say thanks to everybody that has commented on our first podcast and hopefully on our second podcast we get more comments, hopefully good ones as well, suggestions of what you want us to talk about, what you want us to cover. We will tighten this up. Don't forget the Skill Builder website. It's still going strong and uh, hopefully we'll be back with another podcast. So listen out for us. How about that? Yeah, absolutely. It's not match day, is it? No. I mean, I could uh, get out on the pitch, but I'm about as useless at playing football as I am at um, making cakes. 
Oh, really? Yeah, pretty good then. <laughs> Can you guys tell me what league the MK Dons are in? I couldn't tell you what league, league they're league in. Of their own. I'd imagine, <laughs> I'd imagine they're yeah. in the one down from Premiership. 